0: Now on the Business Radio X Network, it's the Self-Aware Leader Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Self-Aware Leader Podcast where we sit down twice a month with the successful executives and talk to them about their leadership philosophies, how they have risen to high levels of success, and how they are now leveraging their Enneagram power to continue their growth journeys. I am your host, Linda John, Executive Coach and Certified Enneagram Practitioner, and we are broadcasting from the Tucson Business Radio X Studios, located in the Stewart Title Company building on Broadway Boulevard in sunny Tucson, Arizona. Mona Abel is my special guest for today's Self-Aware Leader podcast. Mona is an author and entrepreneur from northern Minnesota. Having recently published her third cookbook since retiring from her corporate career some 20 years ago, she is a self-described recipe diva and former go-go dancer. Mona resides near her hometown of Hibbing, Minnesota, and is the self-proclaimed mayor of Side Lake, where she owns a lakefront home and regularly hobnobs with other area hometown heroes, including Bob Dylan and Kevin McHale. I have invited Mona to join us today on the Self-Aware Leader podcast to tell us more about her latest cookbook, Let's Party. Welcome, Mona. Thank you, Linda. It's good to be on your podcast. Oh my gosh, it's so great to have you here and we have a lot to talk about today, so let's get right into it. You retired from a highly successful career in corporate America And it was after your retirement from that professional role that you became an author and entrepreneur. You have been successfully building your brand as an author and entrepreneur for over the past 20 years. And as your birthday last month entered in a new decade for you, I just knew I had to have you on my show. Can you share with us what was your primary inspiration for your post-retirement business ventures? And what advice might you give others who would like to pursue their own dreams after retirement? Well, my motivation when I retired, I was fifty-nine.
2: I got an early buyout,
1: uh-huh.
2: and my motivation was money. Because <laughs> That's a good one. I was, I was a poor single woman, and I had to wait till sixty-two to get um, my social security, and I got a pension. It wasn't enough for a single woman to live on enough.
1: Okay. So
2: I thought, what should I do? I think I'll write a cookbook because <laughs> I had helped do two cookbooks before that.
1: Got it.
2: On a voluntary basis. So I I printed my first cookbook in 2001.
1: Wow. So, I mean, you could have just gone and got a job somewhere, um, you know, uh, <laughs> working in corporate America again at a, at a part-time level or something like that. But you really had this drive and passion to, you know, go your own way and pursue your passions, it seems, though, right? Well, I mean, I just,
2: I guess I didn't think of, that No, I just thought that I—I I know I can do this. I yeah. know I can do because I had helped with two others, and I knew what I wanted to put in my cookbook. And I, the first cookbook is dedicated to, is to mom with love, and it's dedicated to my mother and grandmother, and to the women on in Minnesota's Iron Range.
1: Yeah, and
2: so fair. and I p- wanted to preserve as many ethnic recipes as possible in that first cookbook, mm-hmm. which I did. And then it was, I added stories and pictures of women. It was all about women. Okay. And then I was at a book signing and the nurse, school nurse, came and bought a bunch of cookbooks. And she said, now you, you've honored your mother. Yeah. You've got to honor your dad. I never thought about that. <laughs> oh, so right. that's when I wrote the second one, To Dad With Love.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's all about
2: men and their stories and and recipes about you know, fish yeah. and spam and <laughs> beer bread and other assorted things. Oh, that's and great. Um, that was very successful also. And then my friends go, you should write one on hors d'oeuvres mm. and just kind of let it go. Just let everything you go and do, say anything or whatever, just be as outrageous as you can be. Yeah. Right. Well, I kind of held myself back a little bit
1: uh-huh <laughs> so this is the reserved version of you right i could have
2: gotten worse but i didn't i, kinda held back. <laughs> oh, that's I didn't want to tell everything
1: right right well <laughs> you know as you mentioned your cookbooks they're all filled with these amazing recipes from your little corner of the world known as minnesota's iron range it seems that the food of the range has a direct connection to the history and heritage of that area is that correct? And can you tell us more about all of that? That well, um, people
2: came and settled here. The immigrants came here and settled at the turn of the century to work in the underground iron ore mines. And they came from forty-three different nationalities.
1: Oh wow! So it was
2: called the melting pot. Oh wow! And see, my Finnish ancestors, my English ancestors, came across and and moved to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan because that's where there was mines there, also underground mm-hmm.
1: mines. Okay.
2: And then from there. Some of them left and came to northern Minnesota, and there was the underground mines here also.
1: So there's a, 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 rich, a rich mining history, it sounds like, throughout that. What's that? A very rich mining history then.
2: Yes. And so it was all these different nationalities, and they didn't speak English, so they oh kind of God. lived together in their own little spots, the Italians in one spot, and the Slovenians in another spot, little towns or little yeah. locations, they called them. And then um, they got to know one another, but then their cooking was really important in their mm-hmm. lives. They brought with them their own uh, recipes and stories. Yeah. And so, where I worked, this was a, a way to preserve our ethnic heritage
1: okay. kind of a living
2: history museum plus the entertainment venue.
1: Yeah. And
2: so, we did ethnic days, and through that, it was celebrating the lives of. They may one day is a finished day with music and dance and food, and one day, you know, on a finished day or whatever, it could be th- 35, 4,000 Finns, yeah. talking Finn. Oh my god, you know, one day. Yeah, I know very little fin, I know some swear words. That's
1: about it. <laughs> we'll <laughs> save those for another show, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll wait on that. We'll wait on that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it sounds like you know, this whole uh business venture post-retirement really was a continuation of your work in the heritage and celebration of the cultures of the area as well it wasn't all starting fresh for you It was a, really a continuation of what you'd already been doing in a way what was that i'm sorry i couldn't hear that a little bit no problem i was just saying it sounds like from your role in your corporate america that you were working a lot with these various cultures and, yes, the, yes. and yes, it's, in, a, in a way, it's almost a continuation. Your, your work with the cookbooks is almost like a continuation of your work. I found that
2: I found I really liked doing the research and finding the stories. That was great. Oh, so cool. And picking out the certain people that I thought were really kind of high profile uh, characters in our area. And we have a lot of them, a lot in the past
1: of
2: <laughs> high profile people that were just so much fun yeah and, um one was big nick morris who oh, came here when he was 14 from italy okay. and big nick oh, bought a his father had a bar and then he took over the bar at hibbing called the homer bar well women weren't a- allowed in there
1: oh. until
2: probably the 70s probably just okay. it was a working wow. man's bar and he was when he came over at 14 he looked like he was 20 big husky Guy and he ruled that place like uh, iron fist. I mean, nobody got out of line. And if one man said something bad to his wife, he would jump over the bar and grab the man by the tie and tell him to knock it off and Ugh. you know act right to his wife. So there's lots of wonderful stories with these characters. You
1: know, keep yes, on the yes. iron range, right? And people love hearing the stories of an area. You know that really right. is um, what brings the area to life for people. And through your cookbooks, they're not only getting a flavor of the foods, but they're getting a flavor of. We said like forty three different nationalities that settled there, and so they're really getting uh-huh. a flavor of that heritage through your writing of these books as well.
2: So we all run around, you know, having I make fin biscuit, which is pula. And somebody else makes sarmas, the Croatians and the Slovenians, uh, Yugoslavians make sarmas, sadomas they call it, sadomas. Okay. And there's, and we make the pasties. And then there's uh, porchettas, the Italians made porchetta.
1: Okay. And so
2: there's all all of those that we still eat today.
1: Wow. I do have all three of your cookbooks. You wrote these over a period of about 20 years, I believe. I was kind of a slow person, I guess. (laughs) I I guess maybe
2: I was just having way too much fun. Maybe having
1: fun, doing a lot of research. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but you know, they're just filled with, first of all, great recipes um, hilarious silly stories but also there's some really touching stories that you share from some of your family yeah. experiences and that type of thing right. as well. Do you have a favorite story that you can tell us? A favorite silly story? You, it, whichever kind you want silly or touching. Well
2: I'll stick with the silly ones. Okay.
1: Yeah I'll,
2: I've will i always had a pontoon. I've been divorced a long time but before that I always had a pontoon. I always lived on the lake and had boats and uh fishing and whatever socializing yeah. Yeah. on the pontoons and so my I had a pontoon with a old before I got a four stroke and um it wouldn't start one day so my old friend Charlie said that's the because the bandix is not working right and it's like cogs in the in the motor Okay. that one is on the top and it has to be fit down into the bottom cog oh, yeah. you just tap it with the end of a screwdriver and the top goes down okay and the motor starts my gosh what a revelation <laughs> so anytime my motor didn't start that's what i did and so one day as girls were out on the boat cruising around and there was a bunch of men with their heads hunched over into a motor yeah. with the cover off of it and i apparently thought well they can't start their motor and why I said this but I said can I help you <laughs> perhaps with your motor well there was a lot of sniggering and, <laughs> and such so I got on the boat and I just did that with a, a screwdriver and knocked it down and it started they almost pee their pants. <laughs> well, maybe something worse, but I won't say that.
1: So, so you actually fixed the motor for this group of men that yeah, were all group of <laughs> men.
2: And it happened to me again uh, two years ago. Oh, but my God. The guy gosh. at the helm of the boat doesn't know anything about boats. He's from Chicago, and he doesn't like listening to women. <laughs> and so, I didn't dare say anything to him, but I said it to his girlfriend. And so, she goes, Jim, Jim, I bet it's the bandix, I bet it's the Bandits. He wouldn't listen to her. I thought, I'm not getting in the middle here.
1: Yeah. So they had to
2: haul the boat over to the shoreline, get the mechanic out the next day. Guess what? It was the, the Bendix.
1: Well, you've heard it here <laughs> first, folks. If you have motor trouble, <laughs> check the Bendix first. Those
2: the old. Uh, if you have an old motor, now the new motor is All the old
1: ones. Okay. Okay. Yes.
2: Now it's a four-stroke. And that story's yeah.
1: in your book, I believe. Correct. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 That's a that is a great one. What
2: I about? Was proud of myself. <laughs> I come from a family of mechanics.
1: Okay. Three
2: brothers and my father that can tear a car apart, a motor apart. And so when I was graduating, I took a test, one of those tests, and I came out highest in mechanics. <laughs> well,
0: that's oh not something goodness. I was going to ready to
2: go for, but I did help with the Bendix anyway. That's awesome. So, from your <laughs> cookbooks, which what's your favorite recipe? You know what? In my now my Let's Party book, it's it's bever- it's all hors d'oeuvres mm-hmm. and beverages mainly. Right. But then in the back, I have the favorites. And some of the ethnic ones that I wanted to make sure that if you didn't have my other cookbooks, that those recipes were in there. So the um, I've got quite a few some really nice ones, and the one is called Mini Wellingtons, and it's using puff pastry and uh, fillet, Oh, slicing fillet very thin with butter and mushrooms and onions or shallots that you wrap around some puff pastry. Oh wow! Actually, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, hors d'oeuvre.
1: Now I see. I, I I got. I have to share this because I know that one of the foods very unique to your Iron Range area is a food called pasties. And pasties? yeah, the pasties, and that's something that yeah. you're really pretty good at making. Would you know, tell us what the pasties are and the story the behind the pasties? I, one time when I was doing some tours at where I worked. I had started a
2: pasty in a pail where I got a pa- a pails from the men's from the mines. And then when a motor coach came in, they could order this ahead of time.
1: Oh my gosh. And then they would
2: get off and they would get their pasty in a pail
1: <laughs> with
2: a little, I don't know, coleslaw or something. Okay. And then they would get on the trolley and go to, on the other side of the iron ore pit. Oh my gosh. And be entertained in an old uh, train station with, our friend Casey Arrow played the banjo and sang and they would have their lunch it was called pasties in a pail. Well these some of these people they didn't know what a pasty was, so they'd call me and say, What are these pasties all about? I well I'll tell you one thing. There's a big difference between a pasty and a pasty
1: Yes for sure. Do you want me
2: to describe it to you or not? Then they would laugh and they would laugh. <laughs> But pasties was a way of making uh, money all the churches made pasties up here once a month and I'm s- still involved in it except we're not doing it right now which I miss. but it was a money maker it still is a money maker for a lot of the p- churches to make the pasties
1: oh my god and I-
2: so it's a it's a dough rolled out with round steak cut up small
1: okay and
2: potatoes diced up salt and pepper then you put Uh, chopped onions I put it in the food processor so the onions are real small and then rutabaga on top of that with a pad of butter you could put a little piece of pork some pork there and more salt pepper and then you take the crust and flip it over and you crimp it and bake it oh now the miners took these pasties to work with them
1: got It, it and
2: and um they said the sign of a good pasty now my crust, our crust is very good, but maybe it old the old time crust was better. They said the sign of a good passy is if it fell down the shaft, which was a half a mile down, yeah. and it didn't break. That was a sign of a good pasty.
1: <laughs>
2: wow! So we're still. I made pasties yesterday, and I was thinking of my mother and grandmother because they they used to go way back to making pasties at our Methodist church.
1: Oh my gosh! But
2: oh, it's. It's a lot of work.
1: Oh, I'm sure.
2: It's nice to have. So what I'm we'll get to that later, but I'm talking about maybe doing a tutorial on pasty making. I know. And I I put it on Facebook, and you wouldn't believe the people that said they want
1: to hear
2: about that. They want to learn. Learn how to make the pasties. 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 (laughs) And pasties came from Cornwall. And my grandfather is from Cornwall.
1: Oh, gosh. I just love how that all ties together with the the miners and how that was a really efficient way for them to take a lunch and still had all the nutritional value, but easy to transport. And um, that's, you know, it's still part of the food culture of your area today. So I just okay. find your story very, very inspiring Mona. And as you mentioned, we've been working together, you and I, with this tool called the Enneagram for right. several weeks now. We're going to get more into that after the break, but I just, I, I'm just wanting to know, you know, you have fun, you're pursuing your passions, you are just a, you know, uh Really astute businesswoman, but you don't take yourself too seriously. I, I'm picking up on all of those things. What advice would you give to others who want to pursue their own dreams after retirement?
2: You know what? I think it's all about um, realizing that you can do anything you want.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to
2: realize, you have to have confidence in yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to do this. I Before I retired, <clears throat> <clears throat> there was a time was short of cash and I decided um I'm going to become a um, certified massage therapist which I did oh my gosh and I was driving uh two hours back and forth during the week yeah I I knew how to do massage and I have strong hands so I did that also which I really enjoyed but I think it's you can do whatever you want think of what you want to do what is your passion yeah what
1: is it that you really
2: like to do and put your mind to it and do it that's
1: all that's great i think your hands might have been so strong from all that pasty making over the years that's
2: probably
1: what it is rolling out that (laughs) dough. oh my gosh well we are getting ready to shift into our work together as you learned about your enneagram type and the strategies to support your continued success so When we come back from a short break, we are going to dig deep into more Enneagram discussions with Mona Abel, author, entrepreneur, and self-described recipe diva and former go-go dancer from Northern Minnesota. And we will be right back.
0: This podcast episode is sponsored by Linda John Consulting, and I'm speaking today with her. Tell me about Linda John Consulting, Linda, and why people are attracted to your business.
1: You bet. Well, we are a coaching and consulting business. We have a wide array of services, including executive coaching, strategic planning, team development programs, um, really all focused on uh, individual leadership growth and uh, organizational development. And so at a time like now when times are tough and a lot of organizations are going through a lot of change, we have the services that can help people get back on track and really grow.
0: Well, corporations report that executive coaching is a key to making their businesses thrive. What makes your coaching practice unique And why would someone choose Linda John Consulting?
1: Well, I love to use an assessment tool known as the Enneagram, which is uh, personality assessment, um, puts, puts people into nine different main types and teaches them integration strategies for how to be the best version of themselves. I do have a lot of uh, programs focused on other strategies as well, but this really is one of our key success strategies with Linda John Consulting and people really are seeing the benefits from this, these programs.
0: Okay, Linda, so what are the best ways for people to contact with you?
1: Best way is just to go to lindajohnconsulting.com and click on set up a consultation and we'll be back in touch and we'll get you started. We are visiting with Mona Abel, author, entrepreneur, and self-described recipe diva and former go-go dancer from northern Minnesota. Mona, you and I have been coaching together over the course of the past several weeks using the Enneagram Strengths-based assessment tool. And we are ready to hear more about you about that from you. So let's start out with the big reveal. Tell us what is your Enneagram type and what are your favorite features of that type?
2: I am a number seven. It's really interesting as you go along and answer all these questions wondering what you're going to be, because I thought some of mine were going to be a different number.
1: Yeah. So I was surprised when it came out as 7. I thought it was going to be 2 or 4. So let me just um, stop for a second and give some context for those who might not be as familiar with the Enneagram. Type 7 is the enthusiastic visionary, um, and Mona will tell you more about her favorite features of that. The 2 and the 4, the 2 is the considerate helper, And the four is the Intense Creative. So they're both located in the Heart and Feeling Center, two and four. Type seven, which Mona, you are, is in the Thinking Center. So tell us more about what you think are some of the best features of type seven. Because it's fun and
2: creative and enthusiastic um, and entrepreneurial. That's right. The type seven. I was accused of, by one of my bosses one time of being too enthusiastic.
1: <laughs>
2: you say darn right. <laughs> thing, what an awful thing for an employee to be enthusiastic.
1: Oh, my gosh. Now, had we only had um, access to the Enneagram work that we're doing then, now, then, that would could have really helped that workplace culture, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, right. But right. you mentioned entrepreneurial and that really is so true about the type 7s and it really is why it makes sense to me that this is your type just how you take a passion and an idea and combine it with creativity and enthusiasm and fun and and you Come out with these great ideas, you know these great cookbooks that you've done, um, oh, thank and you. it's not thank even you. like work for you. It doesn't seem. It's more just like no, pursuing your passion. Because I think work should be fun.
2: Work should be laughter. I mean, um, if we can't enjoy ourselves and what we do, mm-hmm. then why do it?
1: I agree. So then it's,
2: then it's then it's then it's, re- it's work, and then it's labor.
1: Yeah. And
2: that's not what it should be. It should be fun.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I mentioned that the type seven sits in the thinking center and maybe you can speak a little bit to how that plays out for you. Um, A lot of times it's about ideas and just seeing the future, very future focus, but sometimes it can also be about the, you know, long to do list or some worries about things in the future. How does that play out for you? For the future, of what I'm doing is that what you're saying yeah well as a type seven it's always pretty future oriented and sometimes and it's a lot in the thinking space of of your type so it's like you're thinking about ideas but you might also be thinking about some worries or um, concerns I try not to do that oh good sometimes (laughs) but
2: sometimes maybe that's kind of sweeping it under the rug you
1: know (laughs) Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because one of the things of the type 7 also is we don't like to face pain, you know? And yeah. so yeah. we have a way of just putting on the happy face and uh-huh. putting the pain, sweeping it under the rug, just like you said. That's right, yeah. Can you think of how that might play out for you? Is that true for you in any way? I, th- I think sometimes I...
2: Maybe we'll procrastinate somewhat. Uh-huh. I have to get on a roll, I think. And then, like, when my cookbook came out in August of last year, then I had to be on a roll because I knew you have to, uh, when it it's hot, it's hot. Yeah. you got to run with it. And so, in my small towns, I was on the, I had to call the papers and I had to call the radio stations and this and that. And TV. Yeah. And so I was on the front page of three of the local newspapers.
1: Oh my gosh! On the front page
2: with my picture, you know, all about my cookbook. Which, so what you have to do then? I had signed up all these uh, cookbook signings.
1: Yeah. So I had
2: I was on the run. I was on the run a lot, and I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. Commotion. A little bit of an adrenaline rush, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's so great. But I suppose also I'm guessing that for you, when you when it gets, comes time to do in the administrative work, the kind of mundane, that that's not as exciting for you. That might be where your procrastination is coming yeah, in. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, the Enneagram is such a powerful tool for self-awareness. Uh, in fact, a recent research study by Cornell University indicated that one of the top skills of, um, or way way to predict a successful leader is their level of self-awareness. So that's what I love about the Enneagram is being able to put the mirror up in front of ourselves and look in it and say, Oh, that's true for me. So through this process with the Enneagram, was there any specific moment that was sort of a, an aha moment for you? And then also, why don't you share a little bit about some of the goals that we're working on for you and your business through our work with the Enneagram?
2: Okay. I think part of what is the overthinking.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess
2: I was surprised that it came up there because I know I do that.
1: Yeah. But it was
2: surprising to see that was one of my traits as a seven.
1: Yes. And that again, it can be in a form of just ideas one after another. It's almost like overwhelming. It's exciting, but overwhelming at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I've worked with you through this, you have, um, you know, your goal is to, uh, get more of your cookbooks, out there to the world yes, and right. um you have like a list of probably 20 or 30 awesome ideas about how to do that so just think about all of that going around in your head yeah at any given time
2: that, that's part of the overthinking
1: yeah right yeah right but I think
2: right now I'm just waiting so that things after the pandemic there's just been nothing at all happening right now because of right you know the my this where I put my um, cookbooks in uh, museums and um, that type of thing or stores they're all closed.
1: Yeah, they're not
2: even open for anybody to sell their things there.
1: Right. So nobody
2: nobody is thinking about cookbooks except every time I turn on TV. Now, I, I said if my last name was Kardashian, I'd be on <laughs> some national show with my cookbook,
1: but my name's not Kardashian. Well, I could say you could give them a run for their money, that's for sure, because. Well, I suppose <laughs> I could. I mean, you know, tell tell the story. You wrote, wrote, somewhere I read in your bio, uh, I believe it was your uh, proofreader, uh, the former school teacher. Oh, yeah, she said
2: she laughed so hard, she almost peed her pants. <laughs> But I've had a lot of people tell me that. Yeah, you're that when they when they've read my book and I thought, Well that's a great honor.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, it really is. A great
2: honor. Poor so... bladders maybe. Maybe that's what
1: it is. <laughs> you know, so back to the our work with the Enneagram. Um you did share with me if if I may um continue that story that, you know, your first two cookbooks sold like hot cakes and you were getting them out through, um, social media and through these in-person events. And you would actually have the venues cook up the food from your recipes and make the beverages. And you'd actually almost have a party to feature the, the cookbook, um, recipes and stories and that type of thing and that was such a success and now in uh you know during a global pandemic you can't do that um and so sales have stalled and so what we did was work through the enneagram on how to move forward in a time when it's really difficult to make those personal connections right and so, what did you come up with uh, through our talk, as far as the goals that you decided okay. to pursue? Well,
2: I, I have been thinking about this anyway. That when it's when this is over, then I want to uh, get uh, places to go and visit and talk, give talks, humorous talk.
1: yeah, a
2: silly talk, then about my background, whatever, and, t- and then sell cookbooks. Right, and um, and it's through. You know, clubs, women's clubs could Mm -hmm. be any kind of a a club, any type of gathering Mm -hmm. or through uh, my friends that live elsewhere and say, let's get a group of people together, whatever. And then I'll come in and give the talk. Right. Whatever. So I'm going to be ready to do that so that as soon as this stops. Like when I travel to Arizona or to Florida, right. friends that live down there it's just in their senior communities, then mm-hmm. I will say I want to be able to give an afternoon little tea or champagne or something, yes. you know, a little talk and that type of thing. So I want to be prepared and have that ready yeah. to
1: go. So that was goal one is that you're going to use this downtime to actually create the talk. And at least right. to create like the core of the talk, and then not uh-huh. not to make it so scripted, but to have a couple like um, extra stories to throw in, depending on how thing you know how how you're reading the crowd and that type of thing. But to really work well, on content.
2: What I what I want to do is I want to kind of work on besides uh, retirement and what I did after retirement. I want to throw in about aging. Yes, and. This has not been easy for me, but I've become aware that there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> and I have to just embrace it because the only alternate is death. And I don't want to go there.
1: And I don't know if we've so actually... Uh, I choose to live and be happy. That's good. Yeah. I, I don't know if we've called it out during our talk together. It's in some of the promotional materials. But last month, you did have that new decade arrive. You want to share uh, what that number is? What was that? I do you want to share your age
2: oh i suppose I,
1: <laughs> it's rude I, to ask actually, that to a woman right but <laughs> i
2: tell my real age or should i tell the one i lie when
1: i lie we're all about so, honesty
2: here well i turned i turned 80 which i cannot hardly believe because when my grandmother turned 80 she went out and bought a new chair and i go what's grandma buying a new chair for she's 80 years old for god's sake of <laughs> course she never got out of her house dress she always we're a house dress, and I thought, if I go out and give these talks, now, I yeah. for my 80th birthday, yeah. I ordered a pair of salsa fringe pants. Oh, I love it for my birthday party. Oh, a my gosh. party. I had a small little birthday party.
1: Okay. okay. And I thought
2: that's what I'm going to wear and I'll say this is what 80-year-old women wear nowadays.
1: Yeah. And that's why you're talking about the topic of aging well into your the talk the content that you're going to be developing um in this downtime as part of your work before you can go out and do these presentations again. Right? Right. What was your second goal? The second, it was the tutorials, I believe. Yes, the, right. Doing some tutorials, right? Yeah. About pasty making.
2: Pasty making, yeah. and I can also do fin biscuits, pula.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: yeah. And uh, it's a sweet cardamom um, dough uh, biscuit, and I I started out. I make it easy, and I put it in the um, bread machine. Oh wow, that's great. And so it comes out, but it's it's re- it's a it's really it's my finished grandmother's recipe. My mother had to learn how to make all the finished recipes
1: okay. for my dad. Oh yeah. First. Okay.
2: So I probably would do that. That's kind of a fun thing. Now, there's somebody I would probably have to get somebody else to make the pizza.
1: Okay. The
2: pizza is a Yugoslavian sweet dough with the it's the dough is rolled out so thin that if you put a newspaper underneath it, you could read the newspaper.
1: Oh wow! And it's
2: pulled out onto a huge long table.
1: Oh my goodness! It's
2: so so thin, and they brush it with melted butter, and honey, Mm. and walnuts, crushed up walnuts, and they roll it up, real real thin.
1: That sounds so yummy! Wow!
2: It's spelled P O T I C A. At first, I thought, "What is potica? (laughs) What is this potica?" It was foreign to, to me. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i remember where i worked we had a woman from the christian science newspaper in new york came and visited and i had a, a woman demonstrator there making this patizza, and they are just amazed people oh. that from all the area that don't know anything about making patizza what it's an art
1: oh. it's really an art well it sounds like it so, so, then so- it's,
2: and then they still make it so it's it's not going to be passed
1: along. Yeah, from generation to generation. That's so great. Right. So really when so back to the strategy of our coaching and Mona mentioned it too. These are things that were already in her mind, but when we looked at her enneagram, she did have a lot going on in the thinking center. And so through our work together, we said, how do we tone that down? And as a type 7, Mona, you have a line of release that goes to the type 5 the quiet specialist. And that allows oh, yeah. you to sort of sort out the clutter and get focused on one or two key things that you're going to put your 100% focus on. And all those other things are going to get pushed to the side until you're ready to, to deal with those. And that's a specific strategy that's different than how you're naturally wired, but it, it allows you to say, these are my two or three things that are going to be my focus so that you can actually continue to move this process forward. And the ideas were all yours already, but as a coach, we were able to look at how that could work for you and help you Mm -hmm. have some quiet thinking time just to get, get focused on what your priorities really are. Right. And I think I had mentioned when we were talking that I live out in the
2: woods here on a lake, a a chain of five lakes and it's beautiful here. And I live in, with huge pine trees all around me and everywhere through. And one of my relatives said one time when she was visiting and we went walking, she said, living in the pines is, is a calming, gives you a calm and peace. Mm. The pine trees do something to you.
1: That's so great. That, so that I love that. That is
2: my refuge after yeah. when I would come home from work or whatever, and I would go out and sit and out my deck and look at the lake. Well, not right now but it's it's a calming it's a calming thing for me to do yeah. and i can only handle that just so long
1: yeah because i happen to know that you also love to travel and right. and you love the sanctuary of the lake that you've created for yourself so it's almost a paradox and if you can kind of think of it in your your downtime on the lake being that offset to the to the type 7 to give you that quiet spacious thinking time um, right. to do your creating yeah so
2: for my 80th birthday my kids my son and his wife gave me a keyboard so oh, now I'm going to be practicing the keyboard because I haven't played for probably 10 years
1: Uh it's another great uh you know non-seven type of, you know it's like a calming pulling back from that's, the it's a very calming thing to play the piano Yeah, really. you know that yes I think and if I recall, your enneagram uh, heart center is strongest in the type four, the intense creative, and so that piano playing passion likely is showing up for you in that way as well. Right. Uh, so, so are you, Were you an accomplished piano player and just got away from it for a while? I, I was. I took nine years of classical. Okay. And so
2: I had to work hard on playing other kind of music because I was just so used to uh, playing classical music yeah but um I can do it after I put my mind to it that's what I have to do because then I said once I get going here I'm going to have Sunday night concerts here <laughs> and only charge will. people $10 a
1: person that includes one drink <laughs> and it'll, and it'll be a drink that a is, it'll be a drink that was one, one of your recipes from one of your books right that's
2: <laughs> right it'll be out of the cookbook. It's yeah. called sex in a snowbank there's a <laughs> recipe for sex in a snowbank
1: wow wow do I even want to know what's in that one <laughs> <laughs> snowball okay <A> snowball. okay <laughs> um so from our work together Mona do you remember what the challenge areas of your type might be
2: well I think part of it is that
1: overthinking probably yeah
2: and um have to motivate myself
1: yes especially for, especially if it's the boring you can get bored really easily yeah 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 a little bit yeah of that. what about do you resonate with this um kind of a fear of missing out that everything sounds so fun yeah. you want to do it all so you over schedule well you know what it's funny you say that because
2: yeah i don't like to miss out on anything
1: yeah right and that kind
2: of can wear you down
1: Yeah, and um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about your career, but it had you moving around a lot, and it probably fit very well with your type 7 personality.
2: Yeah, I I did so many different jobs where I worked, and part of it was I I, I told everybody I did everything but toilets and windows, but part of it was I um, booked uh, entertainers for our 1,700-seat amphitheater. Okay. So that meant I was working with Doc Severinsen and Everly Brothers and – Tony Bennett and Tiny Tim, all oh, this kind fun. of thing, and and then then they I, they wanted me to go on the road. You know, I was on the road for off season for eight years, traveling and promoting the Iron Range
1: and mm. Iron World. Oh, it's great! Where I worked, yeah. yeah. And it sounds like you had a lot of motor coaches that would come there and then explore the whole area of all the mines and that type of right, thing too. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh! How exciting! um It who, was
2: exciting, but I'm glad it only lasted eight <laughs> years I mean, That was
1: exciting that but exhausting was, uh, That was very <laughs> exhausting. Yes what was your uh favorite uh story from someone that's a famous person or a r- recognizable name? Ah uh, there were so many of them.
2: You know who I really like when I started thinking about who I really liked. They were all. Tony Bennett was pretty distant, but, um, he said he didn't feel good. I didn't believe him <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but I really liked Doc Severinsen.
1: Oh, he was great. a real
2: neat guy.
1: That's great.
2: And, um, Myron Florin from the Lawrence Welk show. We'd have big oh. poker fests. He,
1: he plays the accordion, a, right? He's he a, played the accordion. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And, um, my mother was in the hospital getting a pacemaker and he, Myron had had one done the year before. And I asked him, Would you come up to the hospital to see my mother? Certainly. (laughs) So we marched up there. The nurses all knew who he was and stuff. So that was so nice of him. He was, but see, what we did as Iron Rangers, we're very hospitable people. We don't just dump them off at their hotel after their concerts or whatever.
1: We take them out. Oh, sure. And give them a little flavor. Yeah. yeah,
2: drink with them and party with them, and
1: oh go. my gosh!
2: The agent said to me, "These people say you got to go up to northern Minnesota. Those people have a ball up there. They have a <laughs> great time. They love enter- coming up here
1: to entertain." Yeah, you're like an ambassador for your region. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I have to ask you: you're um, you have some self-proclaimed titles such as the mayor of Side Lake. Recipe yep. diva and former go-go dancer. Well, Are there any stories the there?
2: <laughs> when you're when you're retired, you know when you're working, they give you a title. Doesn't matter, right? Some kind of title, but when you're retired, you can make up your own title. <laughs> so I thought, well, this is great. I'll make up my own title, and for my cookbooks, it was recipe diva slash former go-go dancer. Oh,
1: that's great.
2: I can I, if I write the book. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> I can make up my
1: own you, title. You know, what I did. the the type seven creativity is certainly showing up there. <laughs> and then, the
2: um, and then I got going and doing some things out here on my lake. So I thought, well, I'll be the new mayor because the other guy died. And <laughs> so I might as well pick up that. And then I thought, well, as long as I'm just mayor of South Sturgeon, I might as well just encompass the whole side lake area as the mayor.
1: Oh my god.
2: And nobody has challenged me or wanting. They nobody wants to take over.
1: Well, weren't you even the grand marshal of one of the parades or something? Yeah, in this? I was yeah. a grand.
2: I, I worked on our parade for many many years yeah. out here.
1: Oh my god. And I was
2: grand marshal,
1: grand poopa Yeah. For the,
2: the parade. <laughs> so I'm, I've been involved with community things and volunteering too
1: most of my life so Mona you know uh, not to dwell on your age but again I only see it as a positive that you have so much life energy vitality and future focused uh still at 80 I find it very inspirational how do you think um how do you think you might use the Enneagram moving forward and what would you say to others about the Enneagram as a tool for their own self-discovery and self-growth
2: well I would highly recommend it to other people um it's an awareness i think that maybe that people don't even realize what what they they can accomplish right right a lot of it i knew already about myself yes but maybe there's other people that don't have a clue yes about the possibilities of what they can do
1: and sometimes when okay. you even know it about yourself, having that seen through the lens of the assessment almost validates like, yeah, I am entrepreneur, I am entrepreneurial. I am Yeah. fun. <laughs> you, Not you that have you have the question think about
2: those things. And yeah. Some people maybe need a nudge, yeah. a little push and say, you know what, this shows up here in your... Enneagram. Maybe you yeah. should think about doing something like that.
1: Right. Exactly. And it and could
2: I, push people to become more accomplished.
1: Yeah. You know. And sometimes when people have lived a lot of years, I find that they they already are using a lot of the tools and strategies of integration of the enneagram because we all do have all nine types. of of the Enneagram within us, but we have one Uh main type. And a lot of times over time people are learning what is working well for them and what isn't and getting through life. So they're automatically integrating without even the framework of the Enneagram. And so when we kind of do that assessment and look at it through that lens, it all starts to make a little bit more sense. And I I think you're definitely in that category. I really
2: enjoyed um, uh, working with you
1: and, and understanding this. Well, thank you. It's, it's a joy to work with you as well. And we're going to get that. You do a wonderful job. (laughs) Well, we're going to get that, these, that this let's party cookbook out to the world. And the goals that you've set for yourself are going to get you you perfectly positioned to be ready to go as soon as things are moving around uh, again. So when people do want to uh, find out more about Mona's cookbook or let's party cookbook or just you um yourself how would you like them to connect with you um go to my website monas with an s cookbooks with an
2: s.com and i it talks all about me you can go into i do a blog every month okay it's
1: very silly
2: and fun and <laughs> different recipes pictures yeah. you never know what you're going to find on there
1: yeah yeah.
2: One man, I had a naked man, I think, in a grocery cart last <laughs> month or the month. Well he wasn't really naked,
1: you know. But that, leave that up. to the imagination, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. And so I do the blog every month and it shows how to order my cookbook. And they're twenty five dollars, includes tax and it uh, comes to with handling it's twenty nine fifty. Okay. And yeah. you can pay it on PayPal on my on my website. So it's yeah. easy easy to do. Or you can contact me and send me a check. I got a thing in the mail today from Iowa. I don't know why, from some man wants two cookbooks. That's great. And I have no clue where that came from or whatever,
1: but you never know. Well, you do get out there a bit. You're on the circuit with a lot of radio shows, um, and I think you're working on... Getting on with a, a host in the Minneapolis market, I believe as well. Right. Yeah. Right. You were just on a show. I heard the interview. Um, was it in Grand Rapids, Minnesota? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Recently. Grand yeah. So I think you are doing a great job in tough times, really, of getting the word out. And I'll also say that I think um, this is really a great gift. Uh, you know, um, even before you can get out there for people to go to your website. Uh, order the book um, whether it's for ho- holiday gifts or other gift giving it's really great i i've gifted this book to several people um one friend of mine that i gave it to she said linda why did you give me a cookbook you know i don't cook at all and i'm like I, just read it trust me that, do, you don't have to cook you don't want to even you don't even have to
2: read the recipe right. it's just a silly book with a lot of Fun stories in it. Right. And, well, that's um, what
1: my friend said. She goes, it's the best read I've ever had. She goes, I just kind of breezed past the recipes, well, but the I, stories. What I'm always
2: surprised at is
1: people that don't know me yeah.
2: get such a kick out of it, and they don't even know me. <laughs> boy, oh
1: boy. I know, but I feel like when I look at the picture here on the front, and I look at your website, and your writing, it it's like your personality is coming through. Really, really strong. It's one of those things where you feel like people probably feel like they do know you, or they know someone that reminds you know reminds them of you, or um, yeah, they they, they can relate to the. Well,
2: when I first the first cookbook came out, I I thought okay, I wrote a I wrote a cookbook, and somebody interviewed me, and they said we have a cookbook author. I go author. (laughs) I never thought about myself being an author. author. (laughs) I just thought I wrote a cookbook. (laughs) Yeah. So I was very surprised. I didn't think of myself as an author, but a long time ago, I did. Had a woman do my handwriting analysis, and she said I should be
1: making money by writing. Long, oh my! Long
2: time ago.
1: Oh my! That's great. Yeah. Well, what's the future? Are you going to do another cookbook still? Well, no. I think I'm going to do a trashy romantic novel next. <laughs>
2: okay. That's where the money is.
1: <laughs> really. And I don't
2: have to write it. I'll have to write it under a pseudonym, of course, because of course I don't. I wouldn't want anyone to know who's who, who's actually writing it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Let's become a piece instead. Who knows?
1: <laughs> oh, that's great! My birthday,
2: my birthday, the same day as Picasso's. So maybe I get my painting skills up to maybe make I, some love money. Painting.
1: I love that. I love that. Like
2: grandma that. Moses. <laughs> like
1: grandma Moses. Oh. Well, we know that for at least for the next year you're going to be out on the circuit with your talk, with your yeah. demonstration videos. Uh and you do you see you uh posting those right on your website or how will people access those tutorials? I will
2: do it on my Facebook page and I'll be doing it on my website too. Yeah.
1: Oh, you have a Facebook page as well. Okay. Yeah. So how, how do you decide what to put in your monthly blog? I'm just curious about that. You know what? It just comes to me. Wow. In fact,
2: there's on um, Facebook a bunch of gals out here that said, how about if we do a cookie exchange and go for a hike after? <laughs> Scrap the hiking. I'm not going hiking. <laughs> um, but I said, I'm not going hiking, but I would be interested in getting your, some of your recipes for your cookies.
1: Oh, my next yes. yes.
2: So that's what it starts out at or something silly will happen and then I just pick up on that. You never yeah.
1: know. Oh, that's that's so great. And you know, it, it seems like you it sounds to me like you're involved with a lot of organizations. You travel a lot, so you have a lot of different. you have a lot of content resources it seems. Yeah. I have a really good time. <laughs> you and know I, like I said, in my cookbook I put I don't take life
2: too seriously. Right. There's times. There's a the little times here or there. Yeah, but boy, I don't want to dwell on that, for sure. Well, and that's you have to be around a grumpy person.
1: (laughs) And again, going back to your seven, that's very typical. That even if you're feeling pain, you're going to try to push through it as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, um, and get back to that fun-loving energy.
2: I was going to, I was trying to talk to a strange man at the. Meat counter today at the grocery store. A great big, huge, big belly on this man, and he says, "I want a great big hamburger patty. Great big hamburger patty." I said, "What?" <laughs> and I said, "Make it in the shape of a turkey. Maybe you should make it in the <laughs> shape." <laughs> why? Why do I have
1: to, you
2: know, enter into somebody else's? there and he didn't
1: hear me good thing, good thing didn't but you immediately picked up on I mean that's the other thing is the quick and wit to do and something thinking. silly yeah yeah you just think through the lens of humor and lightening things up and bringing joy really to the world Joy to the world. Joy to the right? world. It's, it's the holiday That's season. Right. <laughs> well, you mentioned Thanksgiving. This is a timeless podcast, of course, but we are talking um, the day before Thanksgiving. What is your right. favorite? Or let, let me just ask you this. What are you having for Thanksgiving dinner?
2: Crab legs and alcohol.
1: <laughs> that is the non-traditional Thanksgiving dinner. That is very
2: non-traditional. Yes. I'm, I picked the crab legs up today.
1: Okay. And
2: so that I just have one girlfriend coming over, and it's, I'm not going down to my son's house for uh, four hours away. Yeah. Because there's been a little bit of COVID there, and I don't right. want and I don't want to get sick. Right. And right. So we'll, no we'll time face for that. Time. <laughs> no, we'll Facetime tomorrow. And so she's just coming over by herself, and that and my other friend down the road, he canceled his Thanksgiving with the big family, and they're all all wandering around not knowing what to do. But he okay. said, I just want to be safe and with my own family. So that's what we're doing. We're all trying to be really safe.
1: Yeah, that's that's the best thing. So tell yeah. us, once again, how do we find you? How do we find your cookbook? Go on to my website at monas, with an S, cookbooks, with an S, dot com. That's
2: Monas. And you can order my book. If You can search across the top. It'll have blog, my monthly blog. A little history about myself, and I'll talk about my cookbook, and then how to how to order the cookbook too. Or you can leave
1: you can leave uh, messages for me too on there. That's awesome. So it's cookbooks dot com, and right. I'm telling you the blogs are hilarious, um, great stories, great information, great recipes. Um, this there's- is
2: so much fun.
1: Yeah, because you're, you're doing such a great job. Oh, it's been fun with launching my coaching career and sharing my love of the Enneagram with all kinds of uh, people and professionals from all walks of life. Mona, is great. there anything that I didn't ask you that you wished I would have and you wanted to share with us? I can't think of a thing. Oh, you've always got a one more good story up your sleeve, don't you? I Do you have time for like a two-paragraph yes. two thing here? A two-paragraph thing, sure.
2: It's called why men are happier people. Okay, your last name stays put. The garage is all yours. You can wear a white t-shirt at a water park. You can wear no shirt to a water park. Your underwear is eight ninety five for a three pack. Three pairs of shoes are more than enough. Your hairstyle st- stays the same for years, maybe decades. You only have to shave your face and neck, and your belly usually hides your big hips. (laughs) And I thought that was probably written by a very bitter woman.
1: Uh, thank that you, Mona. That wasn't me. That wasn't my. I, I was like, "Was that a Mona original?" Uh, no, I didn't do that. I all guess, right. I don't have to. Well, I I want to thank my guest, Mona Abel, eighty year old Minnesota entrepreneur and author of Let's Party cookbook, and I want to thank her for sharing her leadership expertise and enneagram experiences with us on the Self Aware Leader podcast, where we talk about leveraging your enneagram power to support continued leadership success. Best wishes to you, Mona, as you continue to live your life to the fullest through a can-do mindset and positive outlook on life, keeping things silly and not ever taking yourself too seriously.
2: No, I think I'm going to go get my fringe pants and put them on right now and make a vodka.
1: (laughs) Sounds great. And thank you to our podcast audience for tuning in to another episode of the Self-Aware Leader Podcast. We will be back soon with another dynamic guest, ready to hear more stories of successful leaders sharing their experiences of leveraging their Enneagram power to accelerate their leadership success. Until then, I am Linda John, host of the Self-Aware Leader Podcast signing off from the tucson radio x studios located in the stewart title company building on broadway boulevard in tucson arizona so long
0: join us again on the business radio x network for the self-aware leader podcast